Welcome to the Everyday PM Podcast, the podcast where we discuss project management principles for your everyday life. My name is Ann Campia, and I'm a certified project slash program manager with a decade of experience working for healthcare, design and development, retail, consumer goods, and tech industries. I'm so excited to welcome Peter Margaritas, the accidental accountant and improv extraordinaire to the podcast. Peter, I'm so honored to have you on the podcast with me today. Please take a brief moment to introduce yourself to our audience. Uh, my name is Peter Margaritas. My last name ends in an IS, so it should be pronounced Margaritas. But that sounds too much like gingivitis, hepatitis, and laryngitis. So we pronounce it like a cocktail because I want everybody to feel comfortable when they're around me. Uh, yes, I am not a very good accountant. Uh, so don't ask me to do your taxes. You'll go to jail. I won't. And more importantly, I, um, from the accounting side, I, I love financial literacy. I think, I think managers, non-accountants in business need financial literacy more now than ever in making business decisions, as well as I'm an improviser. I've been imp improv virtuoso. I've, I bake it into my life and I will be happy to answer any question you have along those lines. I have that's enough. That's enough about me for now. <laughs> We're going to dig in more about you as well. So just, 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 we'll just take a second though, too. I, I do want to thank Jennifer Elder, who you guys have heard on a previous podcast for actually connecting Peter and I, uh, for those that are listening in, this is the first time Peter and I have ever had a conversation. So right. in many ways, this podcast itself is improvisation in a nutshell, right? But I think for this week's topic, as Peter might have alluded to, we are talking about improvisation in particular, how that might impact us as project managers, as well as us in our everyday lives. So essentially, I think, Peter, I think we're all improvisers in some way, shape or form, whether it's in our careers or our everyday lives. Would you agree? Absolutely. And, and my goal is for you to realize that you already are an improviser, but now recognize it, be strategic with it and, and achieve those goals that you were wanting to achieve. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's what I'm excited to dig in with you on how to do exactly that. But let's start with, you know, how do you define improvisation? Because I know for many of us, kind of the average definition for me, not knowing too much is I'm always in awe of these people who are on stage, who are able to take a random topic and turn it into something funny. And that's how I've been introduced to improv is more so on the comedic side of things where, you know, there's folks on the stage who are trained individuals who just can take anything and make it hilarious and make people laugh. But in terms of how to define improv in both your everyday life and your professional setting, what would you say that is, Peter? Well, I'm going to break a myth right now, because when I ask audiences, what's the first thing they think of when I say improv, they go, you know, off cuff, uh, making things up, Drew Carey, where everything's made up and the points don't count, winging it. Uh, it's, it. just, it's just the opposite of that. And Martin Luther King, we all know who Martin Luther King was. The day that he spoke on Washington, on the March on Washington back in 1963, he improvised the I Have a Dream speech. Wow. And I didn't realize this until I was researching for my next book called Off Script. And that's really what improvisation is, because people think that we are not prepared. As improvisers, we are overprepared. We right. study, we learn, we add a lot of knowledge to what we're going to walk into. However, when we get into the room, we, we wide that script up and throw it away. And we're looking at that audience and trying to make a connection with them. And, and as 
Martin Luther King about two thirds of the way through his speech, he realized he wasn't getting that that feedback from that audience. Mm -hmm. And this woman named Mahala Jackson, who was a gospel singer, said, tell about your dream, Martin. And he looked down at his script and realized the words were not as powerful as he wanted to push it aside. And I and and spoke wow. to his heart and never looked down again. And and did the I Have a Dream speech. It was I forget what it was originally titled, but it wasn't I Have a Dream. Oh, that gives me chills just knowing that piece yeah. of information. That in itself is improvisation at its finest. Those comedians, those in the theatrical perspective, they have practice and um, practice and um, practice. So by the time they get up on stage, it doesn't matter what. There are some boundaries within some of these these exercises that we that we do on stage, but we're we're prepared to the point that even when we're throwing a curveball, we don't flinch. We right. just take it, run with it, and we're always agreeing. That's the that's the other key. We're always agreeing to what our partner, our scene mate, our teammate is, is telling us. We're agreeing with it and we're adding on. We don't negate mm. and we don't ask a lot of questions. We accept that as reality and then move forward with it in our own reality. And then this dialogue becomes very organic and, and and in a sense, in order to be an improviser, we try not to be funny, which creates the funny. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like a Jedi mind trick in itself, right? Is that yeah. you, you, the intent was to be funny, but wow, that you totally tripped me up in what I wanted to say next, to be honest. <laughs> well, Kristen Wiig, the, the actress who was in Bridesmaids and on, on Saturday Night Live, she puts improv as listening and trying not to be funny. Wow. Right. And you and you you touched on something really interesting, right? It's feeling the vibe of the room. You may have prepared, spent days preparing. Let's bring you back to project management. You may have spent days preparing your agenda, what you want to get out of this meeting. You walk into the room, you start on this path that you had prepared only to find you can tell just the the energy and the vibe in the room. They're not receiving the way you thought you they you would they would receive it. So at that point, your mind, either some of us start to get anxious. It may not show it. Maybe it's internalized, but you start to freak out a little bit. But you, again, you have to pivot and you have to improvise. OK, I do have to make one editorial comment. Oh, go ahead. Uh, uh, in improv, we adapt and adapt, adapt. into that environment. I, I used I'm from Kentucky. Basketball's king in there. It's all with bourbon. But when you pivot, you watch a basketball player. Pivot, he has one foot that he cannot move, and they just can go in a circle. Sure, they're not, make, they're not making any progress. Right. So I'm trying to alleviate the word pivot from and, and substitute adapt because that's truly what we do in those situations. So I walk in that's that great. room and I'm starting my presentation, and it's not resonating. So you can do one or two things. I'm going to stick to the script, and probably. Yeah. Or everybody not engaged or, or you see, I call this the conference prayer. You see somebody in this meeting, grab their phone, drop and they bow. Oh, their head. yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the conference prayer of the meeting prayer. Then, then if you're not hit, you've got to find a way on connecting with them through a very rapid process of really thinking on your feet and trying to find where to adapt this conversation. Right. In order to make it engaging. And that is risky and scary. But I tell you what, when you do it and you do it well, it's also exhilarating. Right. And, and talk, talk a little bit about confidence 
in doing so. I think as PMs, you know, we prepare as much as we can. We read everything we can. We try to absorb as much of the project as we can so that if any question is thrown at us, we should really have some sort of answer to that. When you're in that setting that we're, we're, we're kind of in right now, you and I are in this conference room. Um, let's say you started your presentation. You're not seeing the room adapt to, you know, what you thought the, the goal of the meeting was, um, does, is, does confidence play into that? What else is happening kind of in the psycholo- psychological sense? Uh, I wish I could, I, for me, anyone's, I don't know what's happening. It's just, I'm reading the audience and I'm going, okay, I'm, I'm over here and they're here. So I might stop and go, okay, apparently I'm a little off track from you guys. Tell me what you were expecting and I'll make that change right now. I, maybe I got a bad agenda or I, 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 I interpret something wrong. Mm, right. so I, will, I, will, I will acknowledge that this is not the right material. Well, what do we need? Or if the project has different, which most projects do, different pathways, maybe I can go down one of those pathways and, and bring it back to- Kind of steer it back, right. Steer it back. Or a lot of times it's just, I'm providing a lot of data statistics, facts, and figures, which doesn't matter if it's project management, accounting, engineering, whatever, it's boring. How can I tell a story? Mm. How can I create a story that has an emotional context to it that the audience won't get bored by it because we all are wired for stories? So find ways to speak to, not the neocortex, that's where all the language and data, but the the limbic system part of our brain. Right. Speak to that first. Go Google. Uh, no, go out to YouTube and search uh, stories our data with a soul. And there's this really interesting video. This guy uses it as animation, and he uses a caveman as the limbic part of the brain because it's not subject to any. It has no capacity for language. Right. But that's the true emotion, and the way he's got the neocortex looks like an accountant, kind of geeky kind of round glasses <laughs> and, and, and we can absorb numbers, facts and figures, but that, that doesn't lead us to decision-making. Right. Right. That story there to, to gather that audience's attention. I love that. Yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And I think after this pod, I'll definitely check out that, that YouTube video. I think we all, we've all found ourselves in that situation. Right. And I think um, you spotlight six principles to improvisation. And I, I was going through these six as we, as you know, we talk about being in this type of situation and how you can essentially improv your way out of it. Any of these six skills, um, you know, to ensure that our negotiation goes the way we need it to anything you want to call out from the six principles that you've um, that you've written out for us. Well, the, the principles, real quick, of improvisation are the two most powerful words in the English language, yes and, not no because or, or yes but. Then you've got respect, trust, and support, which is the foundation. You have to respect your audience, you respect the people, you have to have trust, and you have to provide support. But it comes down to your superpowers. Listening. Are you, are, do you listen to understand? Or are you interrupting and having a side conversation in your head and not being a good listener, mm-hmm. listening to understand is parking your agenda, parking your ego, be fully addressed in the conversation, as well as being present. Right. Don't be thinking about something else. And another way to put it, I read in this book called The Sender, be where your feet are. 
Mm-hmm. Don't be thinking about yesterday or 10 minutes ago and don't think about the end. Be present and accounted for. And when all those work together, you can adapt to any situation out there, no matter what, no matter if it's, if it's a negotiation is being present in my, and even saying yes at times, also qualifying your yes. And, oh, there's this little secret in improv. You know, you go into negotiation, there's this, there's this adversarial thing. that Okay. Yeah. Don't go in and just smile at them. Oh, the entire time, even if, if the conversation's a hard conversation to have. Possibly. It's <laughs> a conversation. But a lot of times when we're in negotiation, we're thinking, I have to win, you have to lose. But have you ever looked at negotiation as relationship building? Yeah. You may need, I may need to do business with Ann for a number of years. I would like to do business with Ann for a number of years. So I'm not, if, I, if I win, she loses all the time. No, we got to come to a win-win. Right. So, so this works. And it's just having that mindset that, you know, in some instances, somebody wants to just win and we lose and we can either walk away or agree to. Yep. In most business cases, we can be better negotiators. And we think from an improvised mindset, how can we make this thing work? Isn't that interesting that sometimes all it takes is just really listening, really yeah focusing and listening. And I, I love, you know, the, the six, I love take your ego off the table. That's a big one in terms of making sure that you're not always putting yourself or your best interests on top of anyone else's. Your ego doesn't, your ego can take a hit. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the whole part of being a project manager. In my opinion is you have to leave your ego off the table don't even bring it to work with you because the, in, in many of these roles that we see, especially PM, it's a thankless job. You often have to, your ego does have to take a hit if, if there's something going wrong with the project and you just have to be okay with that. You know, the thing about improv is it's, it's the improv is the exact opposite of ego leadership as an improviser, as a business improviser, it's my job to make my team look their best. It's my job to make my, the person who's working with me on this project look their best. It's mm-hmm. not about me. It's about us. Versus ego leadership, it's about me. And I will throw you guys under the bus quicker than anything, and I will take <laughs> all the praise. Right. No. That's just the opposite of what improv is. It's right. about the team. It's about the whole. Uh, it's, I mean, there's so many quotes running through my head. Uh, but it's, it's a wonderful leadership philosophy that if you embrace it, understand it and run with it, it becomes very magical. Yeah. And, and you, you kind of shed this light that I've never seen improvisation in before, which is there's this mutual respect between all the parties involved. And no matter if I'm watching whose line is it anyways, and one of the jokes didn't hit the way they thought it would, you know, they kind of keep going and they kind of keep building on each other. And, and to your point, there's, really no negativity when I think about it uh, amongst uh, the people on that stage. There, there's, there's not and their character in their instance, there might be in the conversation because they're trying to find some of the friction that's out there. Sure. But, but amongst, amongst uh, those who are on stage in a very good improv group, they all believe the same thing. I got your back. I'm not going to throw you under the bus and we're going to have a lot of fun. And Oh, by the way, you will fail. You will make a mistake. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we're going to, we got your back. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll take that and run with it at times. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I imagine you are comfortable. You yourself having done improv for 
many, many years are comfortable in most or met most settings. Um, for us that have not had that trained experience, are there any tips or exercises? Maybe we can do one right now. I don't know what you've got, you know, in your back pocket here, Peter, but is there any, anything that you can offer up in terms of how we can better coax that out of ourselves? Well, when improvisers are comfortable with the uncomfortable and it takes a number of years to get there. But I think if we want to do a real quick exercise, it's all about listening. Okay. That is a superpower. So, and we're going to play this little exercise. It's called last word spoken. Okay. You're going to start with a sentence and the last word of your sentence becomes the first word of my sentence. And now the last word of my sentence becomes the first word of your sentence. Okay. And it, do- and it doesn't have to be, you know, linear. I mean, it can, it can go off script and take a different path. That's okay. Everything's open. Everything's available. Okay. Try this? Uh, let's do it. Oh, any sentence at all. Okay. Let's start there. Any sentence at all. All, I think it's a kind of day. No, all is a detergent, right? Right turn to get to the store. Store is one of my favorite places to go, especially if it's a liquor store. Store is where I buy my groceries. Store, it's kind of funny. Because it could be a place you buy your groceries or a place you just put your stuff. Oh, stuff is everywhere in this house. Please clean it up. Up is better than down. Down is better than deep. <laughs> is this where we call the exercise? Keen? <laughs> I think we end there. This could go in a very, very odd direction. <laughs> I respect myself up with that one. <laughs> that was really fun. Thinking on the fly. What what else what else does that get us? Well, a, a lot of times when somebody's talking and if we're an interrupter, we never let them get to the end of the sentence. Ah, uh, yeah. Okay. So when we train ourselves to listen to the entire thing without interrupting, we hear the most important piece. It's almost like interrupting a comedian when they're telling the joke because the joke and the punchline comes at the end. A lot of important information is coming from the person towards the end of that sentence. So we need to let them get through that in order for us to understand what's going on. And My mind is blown. Back. My mind is blown with that exercise. It, it really, it really is because focusing, keeping focus it, when you're sitting in a room for 60 minutes, maybe over that 90 minutes, whatever, however long your meeting is, especially with all of the other distractions we have to your point, we were thinking about something that happened 10 minutes ago. Maybe we're thinking about an interaction we had the other day with a coworker, cell phones are available. Laptops are on the desks. It's absolutely difficult to be in the moment as one of your principles is and to focus on what people are saying. But if we play that game, if you play that game and, and you cognitively Think about, I'm in this meeting, shut everything else out of my mind. Mm-hmm. It takes, it, it's a, there's a, a phrase that someone shared with me once, and I'll ask this question, and how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time? One bite at a time, that's right. <laughs> it's one bite at a time, which means when, you, when you're trying to change some behaviors, 
And if you're trying to gain an improviser's mindset, you take one piece that we're talking about and, and work just on that one thing until you feel that you've got it, then add another piece mm-hmm. and then another piece of time. And by the end of the year, you're on your way to success versus I'm just going to eat this whole elephant right now. And then you're going to get sick. Which as PMs, like I absolutely think there's a lot of project managers out there that will want to try because that's just the, that's kind of the personality that a lot of project managers carry is they'll want to try. But I think you're right. I think we have to just take it in doses, one bite at a time, and then build on top of that as we go. Like it can be absolutely overwhelming. I think also, especially in this setting, Peter, where uh, we're all virtual. I mean, some of us will probably be going back to the office in the next few months or have already gone back. But uh, when you're all virtual, there's, I, I, I don't know, maybe I'm thinking there's distractions even at home that can keep you from remaining focused on what you need to do. Um, but I, I, I kind of take that back too, because in the office, there are also distractions as well, especially if you were in my meeting and I knew how funny you are, I'd be thinking about that the entire time. <laughs> so here's something that your audience can do. Take an improv course. You can take it live. Uh, now that we're going back into in the theaters starting to open up, you can find a, an improv course. There's usually one like on a weekday in the evenings or on Saturday, or you can take a virtual improv course. Now, during the pandemic, I did develop a virtual improv course, and I've run it a couple times in the in winter and early spring, and I'm not going to do it over the summer because we've been stuck inside anyhow. Yeah. I'm going to relaunch it after, after uh, Labor Day. But whether – and there's other improv virtual improv courses out there, but take a class. That's amazing. Go in with, go in with an open mind. And everybody who has done this is that fear factor, but nobody's going to make fun of you. That's the beauty of it. Right. Nobody's going to try to make jokes that you know, humiliate you. No, it, it, they'll bring you into the fold. And a lot of people fall in love with it at that point. After that first class, they go, this is really cool. What's, there's really nothing to fear. I am your first student to sign up, Peter. I'm <laughs> that is, that is such a great idea. I think for us, you know, it, it will open up a lot in terms of feeling more confident, feeling more comfortable. There's a, just in the short exercise we did, I already have such a good energy right now after having done that. So um, definitely uh, I'll make sure I grab that information, share it with our audience as well. But I think that's, that's a great tidbit there. There's another thing. You can go to my YouTube channel, The Accidental Accountant, and I have six or seven right now of these exercises that I've done uh, with some improv friends of mine that are out there for free. Uh, one is called One Word Story, where you get a group, there's three of us, and we're trying to tell a story one word at a time. Uh, there's one called New Choices, where you have to make, anytime you hear the, uh, a thing, you have to make a new choice, and it's uh, adapting. So, and and they're, they're out there, and I think I have them under a, a playlist of improv games. Go watch them. I mean, that'll give you an idea of some some of the exercises and what's the outcome of those exercises and how mm. we can apply it yep. every day in our life and as and our work as business people, PMs, accountants, engineers. Everybody. Yeah, everybody. absolutely. 
Yeah. So definitely make sure that you check out Peter's content. I am absolutely going to, and I'm, <laughs> I'm being completely serious about if you're offering that improv class, I'm there. I, I would, I would love it. I think it would do a lot of wonder for me in terms of how I want to conduct my business and myself in in my meetings and everything as well. So any other words of wisdom to, to impart on our audience, Peter? One thing that I, uh, I, I refer to this improv quote throughout this pandemic and the improv quote is, improvise the scene that you're in, not the one you want to be in. Mm, mm-hmm. And by doing so, if I'm, if I'm being present, being in the moment, I'm, I'm improvising that scene, I'm also letting go of things I can't control. I can't control the pandemic. I can't control the government. I can't do it. But only focusing on things I have control, even though I do want to be out of this thing, but when we start focusing on things we have no control over, that increases stress, that increases frustration, that increases health issues. Mm -hmm. By focusing only on the things that we have control over, not the things we don't have control over, will help us all in into the final end of this, but then even after that. Always yeah. remember, improvise the scene that you're in, not the one you want it to be. In our everyday lives. I mean, that's beautifully said. Thank you, Peter. Well, you know, I, again, honored to have you on here. This was a great form of improvisation, just this conversation alone. Um, that will do it for Peter and I in this installment of the Everyday PM podcast. Peter, folks want to continue the conversation. You mentioned you have a YouTube channel. Where else can they find you online? I'll make sure all the links are posted as well. Uh, my website is petermargaritas.com. And it ends in an IS, remember, like the inflammation. <laughs> uh, my email address is peter at petermargaritas.com. Uh, you can Google me, uh, find me on pretty much uh, Twitter, InstaFace. Uh, all the things. Uh, all, all the, yeah, Facebook and, um, oh, LinkedIn. I mean, that's my main go-to is LinkedIn. I can't of course. Can't forget LinkedIn. Um, yeah. Do you ever wish that your last name was the drink and not? No, the itis. It, 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 it wouldn't be funny. <laughs> and I, I never really realized it until I was working with this gentleman from India and he kept calling me Peter Margaritas. I'm like, is that an inflammation? It sounds so. He goes, but that's the proper way of saying it. That's the way it's spelled. And it dawned on me. I went, he's right. Then why are we calling it? Well, I don't know the reason why we make it sound like a Greek or Greeks, not Mexican or, or, or Spanish or anything. <laughs> But it just makes for a funnier joke. So I'm I, I'm I'm good with my last name in it in an IS. I just thanks for that. Just curious. Well, you guys can also find me on LinkedIn and all the things that I'm sure that Peter mentioned as well. I, I'm sure I have some sort of visibility to the online channels too. Uh, feel free to support the Everyday PM podcast by giving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's also available on Spotify, Google Play, Anchor, and most podcasting platforms. Peter. It's been a pleasure. I haven't laughed this much in my Thursday as I have with you today. So thank you so much for that comic relief and for those words of wisdom. Um, thanks to everybody, to our audience for joining us. And until next time, take care.